Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, happy Fat Monday. Fat Monday it is indeed. And <laughs> How it's you a, doing? It's a banner day. Do you know why? Why is it a banner day? Because we're both well. How are we you are well. How are you feeling? I feel well. Yeah, I feel I feel good. Yeah, you sound yeah. better. You yeah. sound better. That's because I've downed like three Celsiuses and I have a boatload of caffeine running through my body. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, whatever, how are you feeling? Whatever it takes. Yeah. Blessed be Jesus. Amen. All we had good. a great, great experience with uh, some of our brothers in the Archdiocese of Detroit last week. We on did. retreat with them. What so a great gift for us to be with them. And I'm excited. You know, we talk about this as the podcast having to do with transformation. Lent is now hours away, and our topic today is very much about transformation. It is. It's, What's it's, our title? It's the season of transformation. So um, our title for today's conversation, Father John, is Time to Re-Enlist. Time to Re-Enlist. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you even now in advance for this great season, which is soon to begin this time that you offer to us as your beloved sons and daughters to push aside so many distractions and to focus on the things that truly matter, most especially on all it is that your son has accomplished for us, what it is he's calling us to be and to do. Lord, we just uh, entrust this conversation into your hands right now. We ask for your Holy Spirit to anoint it and to speak into the ears and the hearts and the minds of our brothers and sisters who are listening. The word that you know will rouse them, encourage them, give them comfort, maybe even challenge them. Father, our desire is to be great, not for ourselves, but for you. So give us what we need so that we can become the men and the women that you created us to be and that we desire to be. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if I would ask you, you know, say, say you're talking to a friend who has no idea, you know, like you walk in, you got like this cross on your forehead from Ash Wednesday. It's like, hey, what's up with that? And you say, well, it's the beginning of Lent, don't you know? And they're like, what is that? Uh, no, what's Lent? How yeah. would you describe Lent? Gosh, I, I think for me, the primary call in, in Lent is um, conversion, like conversion of heart, conversion of mind, conversion of heart. Um, it's a time to repent and like just totally reorder my life to the Lord. And, and uh, I, I think it's a time of pruning uh, for me, a pruning and a purification of all those areas of my life that are not yet holy. Hmm. Maybe that are all, that, that um, all those areas of my life where I fail to radiate the beauty of Jesus. Mm. That's what I would say. Oh, I love that. Maybe. That's beautiful. Yeah, you know, even as you're saying that, I'm immediately thought of the words we're going to hear in a few hours, you know, as people put ashes on our forehead. Repent and believe in the gospel. I mean, that's one of the acclamations that's said. But but unfortunately, right, the, the, we, we use words in the church. We're great at using words that I'm not sure people always understand what we're talking about. So repent's one of those words. I remember when I was first ordained, I can still remember preaching this because I think this is how many people experience those words of Jesus, like repent and believe. I think they, they experience it almost as a reprimand, like you morons, you're doing everything wrong. And that's not what it means, you know, in a certain sense, you know, in the, in the vernacular, maybe we would say, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, why are you settling for so Much little? Much less. Right? I'm like, my father's offering you a kingdom. 
and you're content to sit in the mud and play with a bucket, right? Mm. So, so we, we, I think we want to, let's, let's break open these things, right? So to repent, which is indeed one of the focal points of the season of Lent, the, the Greek word there literally means to change your thoughts, change the way you think. You know, we, we just were talking about this not too long ago. I think we might have even written about it in our thoughts from the trailer post that comes out every week. Everything starts in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. And what we put into our mind shapes the way we talk, the way we think. I bet it does. Uh, our mm-hmm. attitudes, our mood, right? Um, I was just reading something the other day from Pope Benedict where he says, like, why do we spend so much time reading second and third rate he was talking about magazines. This was back in the 70s. When what we're longing for is something that will really satisfy us. I think he goes on to say, if someone told you and you had never heard it, you know, God actually wrote some words to help you find happiness. We'd be like, where? Where do I find those? Well, it's called scripture. scripture. You know, yeah. it's that's actually what the Bible is. Those are God's words to us you know, to communicate to us who he is, who we are, why he made us, why things are wrong, what he's asking of us, how do we find happiness? So, you know, one of the, one of the focal points of, of Lent for a lot of us then is, well, let's examine what we're putting into our minds so that we can think more clearly, I right? I love that. I yeah. love that. I had a spiritual director tell me one time, Father John, that do you want to read about what someone, how someone interpreted scripture or would you rather just read the scripture? Now I'm not to say, that's mm, not to say that, that. that that there's no room for commentary, right? And and beautiful exegesis. And I know we all, we all pursue, you know, deeper meaning in scripture. But to, to your point, would you rather read what someone else, what else, but you know, someone else's interpretation. You just want to go strictly to the word of God yeah. and hear him speak to you. Yeah. Amen. So maybe for so some anyway, of us, like yeah. quick note, like, Hey, I got to spend more time. Yeah. Like I didn't know God wrote a letter. Who knew? Like there's a personal letter to me and I don't have to go out in the mailbox. I can just like click on my phone and download the, uh, download the scriptures. So that's repentance. So change the way we think. Huh? And then conversion. This is St. Augustine's classical definition of conversion from the, um, the city of God, you know, it's, it's turning from the love of self to the contempt of God, to the love of God, to the contempt of self. Or, or I think it's, it's often said too, like one, one way of living strives to glorify myself. One way of living strives to glorify God. And conversion is moving from one to the other. Hey, look at me to, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do and to be for you today? Huh? Like moving from like an, I don't know if it's Bishop Barron says this or not, moving from, you know, from the ego drama to the Theo drama. Oh, I love that. Yeah, right? from the, yeah if it's all yeah, about me. All about me, right, right. Um, yeah. To all so. about God. Yeah. Well, let me try to put a finer point on this if I can, because I've been, I've been praying with this since actually last week, and we had the gospel for daily mass last week. Was We're going through the gospel of Mark right now. It's about to get interrupted with Lent, but... We were in Mark 8, which has always been a, a, a crucial passage that I've tried to, to linger with. And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll preface it by this. There's a beautiful passage from, again, Pope Benedict. He was just Cardinal Ratzinger at the time. This is long ago. I don't know. He wrote this essay maybe in the 70s, I think, on St. Augustine. And he's talking about Augustine's conversion. And he, he says in there something which I think is really provocative. He's talking about, like, how do you become, how does a person become Christian? Because we hear things like this all the time. Well, you know, are you Catholic? Yeah. Why are you Catholic? Well. My parents are Catholic. There you go. My parents are Catholic. And you want to say, uh, 
You know, you can't become Catholic that way. You can't become Catholic. This isn't like, you know, I'm Italian because that's the DNA that I inherited. You cannot become Christian by birth. <laughs> right? It, 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 absolutely. And I'll say, I'll, I'll say this as well, too. I mean, um, even if you're baptized, right, at some point, because most of us are baptized as little ones, right? And at some point, you have to make a decision. That's right. Right? To follow that's, Jesus. That's right. so, so, so even baptism doesn't necessarily mean. Not on its own. That's exactly right. right. Some of us right? go, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. I thought that's what baptism does. It's like, well, the, the sacraments aren't magic. So just like going in to get baptized without actually, as you said, making a decision is not enough. This is what Benedict or Ratzinger says, I guess Benedict too, right? I don't know what he goes by. What do you think he goes by in heaven? Joe, (laughs) Joe, this is what Joe said. So no offense. Sorry, but St. Benedict, he says, it's a permanently valid principle that a man can become a Christian, not by birth, but Mm. only by Mm. conversion. In other words, only by turning from love of self to the contempt of God to love of God to the point of contempt of self. So now let's, let's with that in mind, let's go to Mark 8. And, and, and here's where the title of the podcast comes from. So Mark 8 is this, it's often called, you know, Jesus's call to discipleship. And you'll remember, you know, many of us, maybe we don't, know the chapter and verse, but it's Mark 8, 34. So Jesus is at the the high point of his ministry. He's got thousands of people who are following him, right? So he's got this huge gathering. People are are pressing in. They they think he's really something, you know, like they think he he might actually be the one who's gonna make things right, meaning he's gonna overthrow the Romans, he's gonna, he's gonna raise us up, get us out of the slavery that we're into these people. And the Lord starts out his address to this huge crowd with these words, if any man would come after me, which of course means you don't have to. If, if you want to follow me, here's what I'm asking for. Not even here's what I'm asking for. This is what you must do. If, so it's like, oh, okay, there's some, there's some criteria being laid out for me right now. First, if, let him deny himself. Okay, I think I can do that. You know, like, it's Lent. I'm not going to eat chocolate during Lent, so I'm good with denying myself. Take up his cross. Ooh, that's a little bit more painful. And follow me. But here's the key. It's that first call that's really the hard one. It actually makes the cross look light. The first call is to deny myself. And, and I think for years, I heard that as... Okay, if I'm going to be a Christian, I got to practice like some self-discipline, you know, some asceticism. I'm going to do some fasting, you know, I'm going to get up in the middle of the night sometimes. I'm going to, you know, not drink alcohol during Lent, you know, I'll be really good and only have one piece of cheesecake instead of three, right? I mean, isn't that how you would hear that in the past? Totally. Yeah. And then I came across Mary Healy's commentary on the Gospel of Mark, and I just kind of went, oh, That's what that means. So listen to what she says in commenting on this verse, and especially those words, um, let him deny himself. To deny or renounce, as it's sometimes translated as well, was a legal term signifying a complete disownment. 
It's easy, she goes on to say, to brush over Jesus' reference to self-denial, saying no to oneself without fully appreciating what a radical notion it is. Most people recognize the value of occasional acts of moderation or self-restraint. But as the next phrase makes clear, Jesus is referring to a total shift of the center of gravity in one's life, a reckless abandonment to him that entails the letting go of all one's own attachments and agendas, even one's hold on life itself. If you would come after me, here's what I need you to do. I need you to imagine that the deed, if you will, like the deed of, of your house, right, is being placed, in, but the deed says now, um, John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle, Joe Slobotnik, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. And what the Lord's saying is, here's a pen. If, in fact, you want to come after me, this is what I need you to do. I need you to sign over the deed of your life to me. And suddenly, the call to discipleship is a little weightier. And so the title in my mind, the reason why, you know, this call to re-enlist, I think lends almost like a time, I think oftentimes in battle imagery, but it's almost like we've been out there in battle, fighting, you know, marriage, family, you know, priesthood, bishops, whatever our lives are. And Lent's almost like the, the, the general's calling us back in. And he's, he wants to take, you know, he wants to, 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 to rouse us, to encourage us, to see how we're doing. But he also wants to say, guys, you know, your, your enlistment is coming up. Would you like, in fact, to re-enlist or not? And let me remind you that if you say yes again to re-enlisting, this is what it is that I'm demanding. There is a serious cost, right, to all of this. When, when you talk about it in that manner, I mean, it is a serious cost. And, and I'm thinking of a couple things as I'm just hearing you break this open, Father John. I'm, I think it's from Sirach chapter 2. It says something like, um, um, if you seek to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for an ordeal. Or, or I would even say, as I nuanced that scripture, if you seek to follow the Lord, if you seek to den if you seek to deny yourself, if you seek to take up your cross, prepare yourself for an ordeal. And, and I'm reminded too, you know, um, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He talks about this this whole theme of cheap grace, mm. and and cheap grace is grace without discipleship. What you're talking about is like literally the Lord is inviting us to take the hands, our hands off the wheel of our lives. Yeah. And I was talking with someone just um, even earlier today, Father John, and um, and this woman said, I re I'm starting to realize I have no control over anything in my life. And yet we act like we do all and the time, don't we? Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. And, and it's such an illusion. It's an illusion that we have any control at all. But even just as, as you break this open, when you when you think about what is what does surrender look like? Mm. You know, we talk all, you know, we talk about encountering Jesus and surrendering our lives to him by faith mm. so as to be mobilized for mission. Surrender comes with a serious 
cost. Yeah. And as I'm just hearing you break this open, like I just need to be reminded of that cost every single day and not to be surprised when ordeals yep. or, or trials come, come as, I, as I take That's that, right. as I yeah, take and, that cross. And so if anybody's listening who's like me and you're just like really selfish, here's, here's how I respond to that. Well, why would I do that? What do I get out of that? In, in fact, I always find it comforting. Peter comes to Jesus at one point and says, Lord, we've given up everything for you. What do we get out of this? You know, like I find that very comforting. Like what, do, why should somebody do this? And the answer is joy. That's right. Abundant life, not just in heaven. Now he, he, right. So the, the Lord says, he who believes in me has present tense eternal life right now. Even now we're beginning to experience the fullness of life that will be ours in totality when he comes back and makes all things new. To be sure, still the cross, still a battle, still tart, you know, still arduous, still difficult. But even now, what do I get out of it? I get life out of it. I get joy out of it. I get happiness out of it. I get answers to questions that the world can't answer. I get more than diversion and distraction, which is all this world can offer me. That's right. You know, and deep abiding peace Mm. amidst it all. You know, scripture talks about that peace that surpasses all understanding. And I believe someone wrote a book once, uh, not too long ago, uh, maybe three or four years ago called Heaven Starts Now. (laughs) I know that guy. But but it's, it's so true. What we get is a foretaste right, of heaven, all of those things, the grace that comes from following Jesus, while difficult at times, is a taste of what is to come. Yeah, so if you're listening right now and you go, hmm, okay, well, I never thought of it that way, just ask yourself, pause right now, ask yourself a question. Do I have abundant life right now? Like for real, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just pause, ask yourself right now, as I sit here, stand here, drive, whatever, do I have abundant life? life. And if you don't, then say to the Lord, Lord, I want abundant life. Like I don't have it. I want it. And he says, great. Here's how you get it. Great. What do I do? Sign over the rights of your life to me. Oh, really? Is there another way? Can, oh. I, can I get back to you? <laughs> Give me some time. Well, you got 40 days, right? So, you know, with this, uh, with Lent about to begin, maybe here's the situation for us right now. Some of us, in all honesty, I would actually imagine most of us have never really signed over the deed of our life, right? And if that's the case, then maybe that's what Lent's about for us. And, 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 and maybe ask yourself, what would it take for you to do that? What would it take for you to surrender your entire life to Jesus? And I, I think for most people, it's, I need to know who he is because how do I... How do I surrender the ownership of my life to somebody who I've only heard about? Mm. And so if that's the case, then Lent for us might be a, a time to really focus on, Lord, I need to know you. Yeah. Before I can do this, I need to know you. So help me to know you. That's what the rescue project's for. That's what, you know, reading scriptures for. That's what prayers for. Lord, just make it, forget all the, the pious sounding prayers that many of us pray all the time. Maybe just pray fervently from your heart. Jesus, I don't know who you are. Reveal yourself to yeah. me yet again. Yeah. As if for the, for the first, first time. time. It really is for the first time. And, and, and you know, um, Father John, for, for, for those, our friends who are listening, you know, maybe you have already surrendered your life to Jesus. You've signed over 
the deed of your life, but maybe just incrementally, right? As we continue to walk with the Lord, we start to take back pieces of our lives, this property, right? And, and, and we start to take back some things that we had once surrendered to the Lord. And maybe he's just asking us, can I have, can I have that area of your life mm-hmm. back, Mary? Because things work so much better when I was the Lord over that area of your life. Yeah, I was talking, right? I had dinner with a couple of priest friends of mine the other day and we were just talking about this very thing. You know, like when we got ordained, like I, I literally had pretty much nothing. So it was easy to surrender my life to him. You know, I remember lying on the floor. It's like, Lord, you can have it all. And now 26 years later, and one of the guys was ordained a little bit more than me, one guy a little bit less than me. We're all just talking about, but if I'm really honest, I know there's parts of my life I've taken back. Mm. Yeah. You know, and to say Jesus is Lord means Jesus is my Lord. What, what do lords do? They rule. You they know? lord so, over, Yeah, right? they, they rule. That's what lords right? do. They rule. They reign, right? They, they exercise authority. And so, you know, there's, there's a simple way to do this. Just think of the different components of your life. Like, is Jesus, have I surrendered my time to Jesus? Like, does Jesus get my first fruits of the day? I was just talking to a young football coach the other day and, He's going through some challenges. I just said, you know, the best habit I've ever gotten into is someone just helped me realize, hey, give God the first fruits of your day. And so I've gotten to the point where, you know, I get up, make a cup of coffee, walk into the chapel, get on my face and go, here I am, literally on my face. Here I am, Lord, I surrender. And then I just take that first hour and give it to him, you know? So the the most precious thing most of us have is time. Mm -hmm. And so maybe for some of us, you know, Lent's going to be, okay, Lord, I'm going to let you be the Lord of my time and I'm going to give you the beginning of my day every day. Some of us don't have that habit. Most people don't have that habit. We say prayers throughout the day and that's beautiful. But giving him, it's almost like the Lord says, dare me in this. You know, like I dare you, try me in this. Just show up and, yeah. watch, and watch what I can do. So time's, right? time's one area. Money's another. Is finances. the Lord really the Lord of my finances? Yeah. Which doesn't mean he's asking you to give it all away. But he is asking me to recognize everything that he that I have is his. It's a gift. Yeah, it's all it's a gift. His. And at least ten percent of that should be given given away. At least it's all his. But it's a really, it's a conscious way of like you know my hands are in this gripping posture right now. Like this is mine, you know. And the Lord's like, let me have some of that, and just see what that's like to trust me, <laughs> you know. Um, for others, it's our bodies, sexuality. Um, is it obviously a huge issue for many people? Like, is Jesus really the Lord of your sexuality? Um, is he the Lord of your relationships? You know, what areas in my life haven't I surrendered? And if, if we're all honest right now, it doesn't take a lot of self-reflection for us to go, ooh, like I know exactly the one or two or three areas that I'm, I'm just, I'm afraid to let go of. I'm afraid to sign over to him. I'm not really convinced that his plan for those areas is abundant it's life. better and richer and yeah. more beautiful. And yeah. more or that I can trust him even. Yeah. You know, like for some of us, it's our children. Have you surrendered your children or your grandchildren or your spouse to the Lord? You know, and, and the way, as I'm listening to you talk, Father John, I'm thinking about how we discern that is just in prayer. What occupies our mind? Mm. Like, like, like where, 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 That's a gold nugget right there. Say that again. Um, 
yeah, what occupies like our minds? Where, where, where do we, where are we pressing into all manner of worry mm. or anxiety or, or even like what are the false lords, right? Father John in our lives, those things that we would call idols that we have made small lords, yeah. you know, small L. And so maybe that's just, you know, a, a way to help discern um, what are those things that occupy our minds more than anything yeah, things else we that can't God imagine living without? Yeah, absolutely. Right. That we think are going to, you know, either we think we've got control over those areas of our life, or we think that these false lords, these idols, can somehow deliver in a manner that we know they yeah. they obviously can't. Right. Yeah, so yeah, maybe I I want to close with this. It's just an image. It's an incomplete image. So I'm, I'm going to. Of course, I could always just hit stop and we could re-record this whole thing. But this is this is where I'm seeing right now where we are. It's almost like you're going in for a real estate closing. So you and I are walking in, you know, or you and Steve are walking in. You're going to, you, you want to get a new house, you know, and um, you got to get rid of the deed on your old house. And so you and I, or you and Steve or me or whoever it is, we sit down and the Lord's on the other side of the table. He goes, hey, you're for the closing, huh? Absolutely. Big day. Yeah. And in front of you is a piece of paper and a pen. And he, he turns the, the piece of paper around and he's, he's just kind of smiling at you mm. as he does this. And you see, you know, like big bold letters, deed, you know, but then underneath it, it's my name. And I'm like, oh, no, this is like, this has just gone up a couple of notches. And at the bottom is simply these words. Today, you know, February, what, 22nd, I, John Ricardo, do decide to sign over the ownership of my life to Jesus Christ, sovereign king of the universe. And then he just puts the pen in front of me and says, will you sign it? It's a great image to pray with, Father John. There's a weightiness to that. That's the call. There's a cause. That's the cost. Yeah. That's what it means to be a disciple. Yeah. That's what it means to renew our friendship with the Lord. Yeah. And and I'm again I'm sitting there going, and if I do this, what do I get? And he says, Well, here's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get the cross, you're gonna get suffering, but even in the midst of that, you're gonna get joy and you're gonna get peace. And at the end. Oh, at the end, son. It's something beyond what any eye has seen, any ear has ever heard, and ever, any heart or mind has ever imagined. And he says this to us from the cross himself, hanging there, and then simply looks at us and says, trust me. Let's pray for the grace for each other to be able to do that, to sign over the ownership of our life to the sovereign king of the universe. And because that's the king who created you, who became a man for you, who loves you, who went to battle for you, who destroyed the power of death and sin and hell for you, because that's the God who's asking you and me to do this. Do not be afraid. He is with you. And you were born for this. 